0: Deep in the complicated tunnels of the military health system, you'll find a job known as behavioral health technicians. The function dates back to World War II, and practitioners have a lot of influence over the mental health services service members receive. So much influence that the military medical leaders enlisted the RAND Corporation to study behavioral health technicians. Here with what they found, senior behavioral scientist Dr. Kimberly Heppner. Dr. Hepner, good to have you on.
1: Good to be here, Tom. Thank you.
0: What prompted the look at this particular job function and and maybe tell us what it exactly does.
1: So the Department of Defense asked Ran to assess the roles that behavioral health technicians currently fulfill in the military health system and really how to help to optimize their role. How can they better support the behavioral health of the force? Behavioral health technicians, there are about 2,300 of them across the service branches. They're enlisted service members who work alongside and support uh, the licensed mental health providers in the military health system. So they might be called mental health technicians, behavioral health specialists, uh, psych techs. And this is a really important role in providing behavioral health care. This role is sometimes called a a care extender because they can extend the reach of mental health care, helping to ensure that service members have the support they need. Uh, They can do a variety of things, a variety of clinical responsibilities, including conducting screenings, delivering interventions, case management, and outreach work. Um, all to ensure that service members uh, have access to the care that they need.
0: And is there any analog function in the private sector?
1: There is. So, uh, psych tech uh, or psych, uh, psychiatric technician uh, or psychology technician is actually uh, an analogous role in the civilian world. Um, but the role of the behavioral health technician in the military is actually unique in many ways. Um, they receive quite a lot of, of content training in a very brief period of time. So, we found that uh, the curriculum they receive covers a wide range of topics aiming to prepare them to be in a variety of settings uh, in garrison, so in military treatment facilities, but also in deployed and operational uh, settings, more austere environments. And this training is covered in about 17 weeks, and um, they can be asked to do a wide variety of clinical responsibilities. And so part of what was driving this study is wanting to ensure that behavioral health technicians have not only the training that they need to perform in these different environments, Um, but also the -the on-the-job ongoing training and professional development so that when they're tasked to do this wide variety of responsibilities, that they're well-prepared to do so. Um, Our work actually found that their clinical responsibilities can vary um, widely. Um, And so one of the things that we recommended was to ensure that there is uh, more guidance uh, on the kinds of ongoing training and uh, professional development that behavioral health technicians can receive to ensure that they are ready not only in those military treatment facility kind of in garrison environments, but the more um, deployed or operational settings where there just may be fewer uh, behavioral health resources and the force may really need to rely on the expertise of that behavioral health technician.
0: And it looks like one of the findings was there could be more consistency from armed service to armed service with respect to the training and deployment and the way these people are used.
1: That's right. So we found some variability in both the training and uh, the -the on-the-job training requirements across the service branches. So, for example, in Army and Air Force, the behavioral health technicians enter the uh, training directly from basic training and, and whereas the Navy behavioral health technicians have corpsman training before they enter their behavioral health technician training. So they actually receive um, even a different number of weeks of training, there is some for um, training that they receive, there's about nine weeks that is core and common across behavioral health technicians across the service branches, but then there's variability from there. There's variability in the type and length of the practicum training that they get and then different uh, expectations for um, on-the-job um, training. So one of the recommendations that we made was to ensure that there is more consistency uh, across um, not just training but on-the-job requirements and providing guidance to the licensed mental health providers who work with the behavioral health technicians on what are the expectations for helping to ensure that behavioral health technicians are well-trained and can have that ongoing professional development. Um, in order to fulfill their roles.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Kimberly Hepner. She's senior behavioral scientist at the RAND Corporation. And is there the potential that if you have a poorly trained or somehow misused or misdeployed type of behavioral health technician that you could do some more psychological damage to the patient because that would be the patient's first contact with the whole mental health apparatus?
1: Sure. Um, Just like any um, mental health practitioner, behavioral health technicians do deal with sensitive mental health issues, so we want to ensure that they're well-trained. Because they conduct um, screening roles, for example, they may be some of the first behavioral health uh, practitioners that service members come in contact with. So we want to make sure that um, that is a positive uh, experience and that behavioral health technicians are um, well-trained, just like the rest of uh, the behavioral health workforce um, in the military.
0: And we're sort of using the words behavioral health and mental health interchangeably. Are they, in fact, interchangeable? And if not, what's the difference? How do they, what are the nuances there?
1: So we often use the term behavioral health to make sure that we're including both um, mental health and uh, substance use care. So um, that would include if there are concerns about unhealthy alcohol use. um, Behavioral health technicians, for example, could uh, lead groups or educational groups or outreach on um, identifying concerning alcohol use and how to Um, reduce that alcohol use. So behavioral health is a bit of a broader term to make sure that we're including any alcohol or um, drug use issues.
0: Sure. And with, you said there's about 2,300 of these people in the military health system. Does the Veterans Affairs apparatus have a similar type of job and should there and is there consistency between the type of uh, treatment that someone would get while still deployed or still in uniform versus what happens in VA?
1: Yes, so there is uh, an analogous role in the VA. Uh, They're typically called psych techs or psychiatric technicians. Uh, And there is a um, similar uh, amount of training. They might perform quite different roles in, in some ways, um, because the military behavioral health technicians really need to perform often in austere environments where there may be um, not a full suite of behavioral health technicians available, uh, downrange, for example. It, whereas uh, in the VA, uh, a psych tech will be practicing as part, part of a, a, a more complete team of behavioral health uh, practitioners. Um, that, that situation is more like what we would see in garrison in a military treatment facility environment, more of a full full team of mental health providers. And that's why the military behavioral health technician role is really so important, so that they are prepared um, not just to perform the roles that they perform in military treatment facilities, but as they are um, deployed or in operational settings where um, the the unit may rely uh, heavily on them and their expertise to uh, meet mental health needs at that time.
0: So it sounds like in the forward deployed or austere environments, that technician is in fact the mental health care system until such time as someone can get back to Garrison or base
1: are, there may also be a primary care physician, there may may be uh, another, you know, there there may be another mental health uh, practitioner there with them, Um, but certainly the demands on ensuring the expertise of that behavioral health technician is very important um, when they are uh, in these deployed or operational settings. Um, They play a very important role, and so ensuring not just that they're getting adequate training, um, but that they're continuing to use those um, skills when they are in um, in in garrison or not not deployed um, continuing to use those skills so that that when they are um, in deployed environments that they're they're ready to use those skills and feel comfortable um, being um, one of the key behavioral health resources for service members.
0: Any other key recommendations that you want to get out there?
1: So um, we encourage um, the Department of Defense to tailor the curriculum to focus on the conditions and the clinical skills most relevant to the populations that behavioral health technicians will actually see in the field, as I mentioned, the training is quite brief, so about 14 to 17 weeks, uh, d- depending on the service branch. So that's a lot uh, of, to cover uh, to prepare behavioral health technicians to um, be ready uh, to, to see service members um, when they are uh, assigned. We also recommended um, more specific guidance for on-the-job training and guidance to mental health providers on how best to work with uh, behavioral health technicians.
0: Dr. Kimberly Hepner is Senior Behavioral Scientist at the RAND Corporation. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second.